This is a call to eschew reactionary thinking. We're going to look at the case regarding Kyle Rittenhouse and his killing of, who it's been a little while now, maybe two other, two persons and then shooting a third and uh, his claim for self-defense. And then also looking at the COVID-19 vaccine and booster and considering some things there. And in both cases, looking at the tendency towards reactionary thinking. This is On Life with Jamie Sinclair, episode 28. Okay, this is take two, because take one just felt like I was complaining. <laughs> I, I, I am certainly, I'm troubled by many things around the globe. I'm troubled by many things around our nation. I'm troubled by plenty of things within my own life. Um, and I, I do in this episode want to give us a clear call to think well and not to fall prey to reactionary thinking, but I don't want to just sit here for 30 minutes and complain. (laughs) Um, With that said, let me play for you a brief clip that was one of the catalysts for this episode. So uh, all that was was a massive round of applause, uh, a great ovation as someone was being introduced to the stage to an event that just took place recently down, I believe, the southwestern United States, a Turning Point USA event, and Kyle Rittenhouse was being welcomed to the stage. Now, for those of you who have been under a rock, Rittenhouse was uh, a very young man. I believe he was 17 when the incident that's kind of at the center of his life now occurred in August 2020. He ended up, there There were some riots in downtown Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, Rittenhouse was from a neighboring town, but worked in Kenosha, and his father lived in Kenosha. He lived with his mom over in Illinois. And uh, Rittenhouse went there. He uh, armed himself with a rifle and also had a first aid kit and was just trying to help kind of clean up the, the city, prevent damage, and help people go who got hurt. Um, I don't know. It seems like uh, uh, from from the little I got to know about him over the past year, I'm not an expert. Seems like a pretty normal kid, uh, a, a decent kid who probably, I even understand the impulse. People are burning down your city. I want to try to stop it, but pretty foolish in my opinion. Um, you know, in fact, in this situation, uh, the first person who attacked him, Rosenbaum, initiated and had is his actions were indefensible and Rittenhouse had a legitimate need to defend himself and he shot and killed Rosenbaum and fortunately he was acquitted. Um, in the aftermath, it was, it was in the middle of a riot, there were crowds all around, Rittenhouse starts running towards the police because he rightly understands that's actually like the safest place he can go right then is with the police and in the process, people in the crowd start running after him. Um, and then at one point he trips and he falls and he ends up shooting a couple of times. He kills somebody uh, and then he shoots Gage Grosskreutz, maybe is the name of the fellow, in, in the arm. And then eventually Rittenhouse does get away. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations that's so complicated. I believe that Grosskreutz, I think that's his name. Sorry if I'm saying it incorrectly. It could have actually shot Rittenhouse and he would have had a 
good claim to self-defense. It was, it was one of those situations, if, if two people are pointing guns at each other, either one of them can kill the other one with a legitimate claim of, I felt threatened. Like, uh, it, it was just a really bummer of a situation. I wish it hadn't happened. Uh, some people lay the blame purely at Rittenhouse's feet in terms of like, if he just hadn't been there. But I also think, well, if the police had just been allowed to actually shut down the riot, or if the rioters just hadn't come, you know what I mean? Like you can play that game forever, but the reality is Rittenhouse had a right to be there as much as anybody else who was there. And he had a right to defend himself when people started attacking him. And, uh, it's really sad that he killed two people. I don't know how much that like weighs on him, but I would think that would weigh a ton taking human life at 17 when you weren't trained or prepared beforehand at all for a situation like that. Um, I'm very thankful he was acquitted. I've, I've watched the videos and it was a really clear case of self-defense. In fact, I followed this trial pretty closely and I don't usually follow trials closely. I'm kind of like, hey, I'll trust the process. Uh, our justice system is not perfect. Sadly, guilty people are let off. Um, I would prefer that over innocent people being convicted, but sadly that even happens at times. Um, we don't have a perfect system, but we have a pretty good system. So usually I don't follow that closely and I'm like, I'm... The people who are actually there watching all the testimony and evidence, they're the best equipped for this one. But I watched the videos in this situation, and it was a really clear example of self-defense. And there were politicians and pundits, but not just politicians and pundits. For those of you who've been uh, tracking with me and know what I'm up to in life, you know that I am now attending law school. It's a hybrid program at Syracuse University. Most of the classes are online, but there are some in person. And... I've connected with a lot of my classmates and we, we chat on, on a Discord server, which is like a web chat thing. And there, there were classmates who, they just see Rittenhouse as a mass murderer who had no claim to self-defense. And I don't know how you watch those videos and not recognize as a really sad situation, but also really clear self-defense. Like, just hideous thinking. And the, the idea that these are smart people who are probably going to be lawyers and maybe even judges one day is minorly scary to me. Um, it just some really bad thinking on display. But something that deeply troubles me is when I see people use a, just enough good thinking to realize how terrible the thinking is that would confidently declare Rittenhouse was not shooting in self-defense. I mean, that is such terrible thinking. But some people think well enough to see how terrible that is but not well enough to not simply react to it emotionally and come up with like almost a equally terrible other side of the septic spectrum type response. And not only see Rittenhouse as a, 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 from at a glimpse, a decent kid who was in a really dumb situation, possibly largely his own fault. Um, but instead of seeing that, see him as some sort of hero and like crusader for the American cause and a champion and a celebrity and, it's ridiculous. And you might be saying like, Jamie, who thinks that? Well, that applause you heard a moment ago, that was Rittenhouse taking the stage. He's like an 18 year old. The only thing he's done is kill multiple people in self-defense and be acquitted. Um, I'm really glad he was acquitted. It was legitimate self-defense. I'm, I'm glad he was able to defend himself. I wish he hadn't been there. I wish Rosenbaum hadn't attacked him. Like there's just, it's a bummer of a situation. There's nothing about this situation, though, that makes Rittenhouse a hero. The jurors, I guess you could say they're heroes for, like, 
finding a just like uh, response in the like the to the charges of murder they acquitted him like that's heroic i, I suppose but i'm not even sure any of the the jurors or the judge should be a hero uh they did their job well and i'm very thankful but i'm not like it's not heroic uh rittenhouse though is certainly no hero but there's this tendency in us and we all have it i do it you do it to to react in our thinking rather than coming to like hey let's let's think this through well and find something that's honoring to god and and like part of what we're called to do is love the Lord with all our minds, like think well and, and, and submit our thinking to the Lordship of Christ. But instead we just kind of start with like, Oh, those people are crazy. And I, I agree, but then you don't have to respond by being crazy and acting like Rittenhouse is some sort of hero. And again, this is just one little snippet, but I see this kind of stuff all the time. And I, I, I can't speak to most people, but I want to call us, us as a, a, a cadre here. Let's eschew reactionary thinking and purpose to think well. So let's take a minute and, and like humanize this process because it is really easy to fall into reactionary thinking. And, and I think some, you know, the, the same kinds of people who would say Rittenhouse is like a mass murderer might look at people cheering for Rittenhouse and be like, they love the fact he murdered people. And they, they you know, the, he, he embodies what they desire to do to people at BLM rallies. And it's just like, a bunch of hocus, but like, what does actually like? Why are they cheering for him? They don't really know Rittenhouse. He hasn't done anything cheer worthy, particularly. Like, what is it? I think what they're cheering for is they're cheering for maybe the the most reasonable. Maybe are cheering for like justice, which I'm a big fan of. Like, I I don't know if I'd cheer for Rittenhouse to cheer for justice, but I would certainly cheer for justice. You know, if Rittenhouse was there, I'd. Maybe give a polite clap. And if when he came out, he said like, hey, a year and a half, nobody knew who I was. I was involved in a really unfortunate incident uh, charged with murder after I had been forced to defend myself, defend my life. And I'm thankful the justice system has acquitted me of these charges, recognizing that we have a right to defend ourselves. I would cheer for that. N- cheer for what he's saying, not not for him per se, but like, yes, thank I'm so happy we live in a country where, for the most part, the justice system works well and we recognize a right to self-defense. So maybe a few people are cheering for Rittenhouse because they're excited about justice. I would say a lot of people are probably cheering for Rittenhouse because it's kind of like stick it to mass media, mainstream media who who were spreading all sorts of lies about him. It's not really like cheering for Rittenhouse. He is a proxy. He is a he is a prop or uh, represents something, some sort of like, vict- it's more part of the classic, you know, own the libs or, or troll the libs. And I get that reaction because mass media did spread a lot of misinformation regarding Rittenhouse and just a, a ton of poor thinking. But again, it's that reactionary thing. And so I, I understand the impulse, but let's not fall into that. Next topic the COVID-19 vaccine booster. So when the vaccine first came out about about a year ago now, I believe it was like December 2020, uh, it appeared to be extremely effective, which was great news for two reasons. Um, the first reason is because the more effective a vaccine, the fewer people that need to receive it before you have something like herd immunity. And secondly, it meant that uh, it was so effective initially that 
it was almost like if you had the vaccine, who even cares if the people around you are sick? Like it was almost like a, a force field. Now, unfortunately, the effectiveness seems to start plummeting after two or three months. And by late summer, all of a sudden, people who had been vaccinated, like even two doses of Moderna or Pfizer, were still a pretty high risk for breakthrough cases, etc. So clearly, there is not sustained effectiveness. Although from what I've seen with studies, there's still like, uh, statistically, you'll, you're more likely to have like a mild case or something if you've been vaccinated, etc. Uh, so there's like the vaccine thing. And I'm like, sweet. In fact, and I believe I've said this at least once on the podcast before, <laughs> like, um, I wouldn't give Trump, I, I, I appreciated a lot of things about the Trump administration. I wouldn't give Trump credit for too many of them. One of the things that I would give him a lot of credit for, I'm sure there are plenty of other people involved, but I would give Trump straight up credit for is, and, and this is, I'm on the record saying how unlikely it was that there would be a vaccine in the timeline Trump was saying there'd be a vaccine in. And then there was. Like, do you recall, like, I don't know, early to mid-summer 2020, when he was saying there'd be a vaccine by the election? By the end of the year, there'd be a vaccine? I was like, that's impossible. Vaccines take years. You know, it, it takes often takes years to develop and then years to test. And it turns out that they were working on some processes and they were able to develop the vaccine super fast, like super, super, super fast. And then they tested it for months and it was showing great effectiveness and relative safety. And so they start rolling the thing out. Um, Trump did a couple of things that were really pretty bold and somewhat risky, but they kind of reflect somebody who is a bold risk-taking businessman. He he cut down red tape. He he went all in. He he committed to purchasing vaccine, the the US government purchasing vaccine before the vaccine had even been fully tested. And it was kind of like a we'll just eat it if it doesn't actually end up working. And that's like props to him. I would give Trump himself, not just the administration, although certainly the administration, but Trump himself, I'd give him some credit for the rapidity of releasing that the vaccine and getting it wide, widespread availability. But by, by spring 2021, pretty much anybody who'd wanted it, who was an adult, could get it. And largely for free. We can talk about, I think, a lot of terrible monetary policy in the United States over the years, especially the past couple of years. But I think uh, certainly with something like COVID and the way people are responding to it, it made some sense for the federal government to drop billions of dollars into something like the vaccine. Trillions of dollars and just handing out cash and who knows what, <laughs> that's a different question. Um, but, but certainly with the, with the vaccine, I would actually give Trump a, a bit of credit. And just recently, I don't know when this was, I came across it in the past day or two, but Bill Riley, um, O'Reilly, excuse me, was interviewing Trump and Trump made a really cogent, although maybe maybe a little dramatic towards the end and self-aggrandizing, which is classic Trump, but he like made a pretty good case for like, hey, let's be proud of what what we, and he was kind of roping in all his followers into part of this, we accomplished something with this vaccine. So check this out. We got a vaccine done in less than nine months that was supposed to take from five to 12 years. Because of that vaccine, because of that vaccine, 
millions and millions of people. I think this would have been the Spanish flu of 1917, where up to 100 million people died. This was going to ravage the country far beyond what it is right now. Take credit for it. Take credit for it. It's a great, what we've done is historic. Don't let them take it away. Don't take it away from ourselves. You're playing that, you're playing right into their hands. Now, Trump has, uh, Trump has opposed mandates, vaccine mandates from the get-go. Big fan of that. Big fan of opposing them, that is, not of the, the mandates. I think the mandates are horrific. But anywho, um, there are many people who like the mandates and, and want to force this thing on people and just are bringing some terrible, not just like bad thinking, but like evil, bullying thinking to this process. And it's really sad. But, uh, but again, the tendency... It's, it's too easy. I can fall into it. You can fall into it. People just, we have this tendency to do this, is to think well enough to say, what in the world? Like, uh, how, how, do you, how do you know like, who this is most helpful for? It, it seems like the vaccine was really effective when it came, first came out. Six months later, mm, not nearly as effective as we were hoping. Uh, well, it seemed pretty safe. But we have no long-term studies. Like, there certainly are unknown risks associated with something like this. And if somebody's like, hey, I'm willing to take these risks, uh, they're, they're most likely very minimal uh, in terms of, like, a statistical likelihood. Let's go for it. But who are we to, like, force somebody else to take those risks on something that really legitimately has some, like, obvious unknowns about it? Um, pause for a second. Then I do want to continue that, that clip from from Trump and O'Reilly their their speech but so when when covid was kind of first came on the scene in the United States this is like March April 2020 um clearly people were getting sick people were dying especially in New York in April and May 2020 uh, a lot of people died there were some really bad policy decisions made regarding elderly and nursing homes um hopefully it was mostly incompetence and not like malice or malevolence, whatever you want to call that. But like, people were dying. It it was a real thing. But pretty quickly, it became apparent that for most people, um, healthy people under the age of, I don't know, 50 or 60, COVID wasn't particularly dangerous. There was a risk. There's also a risk of the flu. I remember there was a podcaster I used to listen to who maybe four or five years ago, she was like 22. And her friend came home to, back to the apartment and found the podcaster dead in bed. She had died from the flu. And like stuff happens. Like 22-year-olds die from the flu, but it, it, it's not common, right? The flu is mostly dangerous for the very young and the very old. Uh, same thing with something similar with COVID. It was really only dangerous for people who had some serious comorbidities or were elderly, which means it's serious. And like, let's be smart. Let's have smart policy regarding nursing homes and such. But we also like... 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 year olds and five year olds don't really need to do much differently in life unless they're going to go to grandma and grandpa's next week. Then maybe they should lay low. Like it, there was like some common sense approach to, to kind of recognize the risk and deal with the risk. But instead there was like mania and, and fear mongering and just some terrible thinking. But again, the, the reaction is COVID isn't dangerous. I'm like, well, it's actually killing people. <laughs> like, it, it is dangerous. It's just, it's dangerous for certain kinds of people in certain kinds of contexts, and there are reasonable ways to interact with this. Um, other responses would be like, COVID is not dangerous, but then the vaccine comes out, and it's like, the vaccine's dangerous. 
I don't know if you've seen those reports that there are like, you know, 20,000 deaths on the VAERS system related to the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, There might be. I haven't gone through all 20,000 and looked into them. But if you understand what VAERS is, VAERS is, it's not like thoroughly investigated reports. It's we saw this thing happen report. Meaning if 200 million people all, I don't know, ate ate a green bean this week, 200 million people, like in the next month, thousands of those people are just going to like be dead or get cancer or who knows what, do you know what I mean? Like things happen when you, when you're looking at a population of 200 million people and look at like health happenings over the next few weeks, all of a sudden you'd be like, oh my goodness, green beans are like killing people. And it's like, well, no, clearly not. It's just that they had a green bean and then they happened to die. Uh, same thing with the virus system. It's possible that all 20,000 of those deaths are because of the COVID-19 vaccine. It's also possible they just happened to die and it seemed like maybe it was because of the vaccine, but it was simply a, a correlation of sorts, but not causation. It needs to be investigated. Um, I believe a couple of times the J&J vaccine has been paused or like the suspended its usage because like 10 people definitely died from blood clots associated with it, something like that. Um if thousands of people were definitely dying from one of the three vaccines, like they would, anywho, I'm, I'm just, I'm suspicious of pretty much everything. I'm suspicious of, of numbers from Pfizer. I'm suspicious of numbers from the government. I'm also suspicious of numbers and VAERS and I'm suspicious of like any claim, not suspicious in like a, everyone is horrible, but everyone is messed up and peep. Some people, sometimes people are horrible and life is complicated and like that kind of suspicious. And, and what was interesting was to see people who would look at COVID and be like, COVID's not really that dangerous. Okay, yeah, maybe a couple hundred thousand people have died, but like, that's out of millions. And then they look at a vaccine and like a few thousand people maybe died related to it, although probably not. And they're like, oh, the vaccine's so dangerous. I'm like, let's be reasonable. Let's not fall prey to reactionary theor- thinking. Um, now, I would, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, if somebody's like old, I would recommend thinking about the vaccine. If somebody's young, I would highly recommend against thinking about the, the vaccine. That said, there are a number of factors to weigh. I don't think the vaccine's that dangerous. I don't think COVID's that dangerous for most people. Um, and I, I suspect, actually, interestingly, the vaccine is, from, from the, the investigation I've done, the vaccine almost seems more dangerous for the people to whom or for whom COVID is less dangerous, meaning the vaccine seems more dangerous for like still developing males than it is for most people. And they're probably one of like the least endangered by COVID. It's an interesting relationship. So if you're thinking about like vaccinating your 10 year old boy, I would recommend no. That said, I, I don't, I think it's very unlikely he'll be harmed either way. I don't think COVID will be bad for him or the vaccine, but if you're trying to play the odds, I would probably prefer my child to have COVID than to get the vaccine. Um, And that's just looking at the statistics I've seen. All that to say, there is this tendency again towards rather than a balanced, okay, okay, like I'm going to weigh this, but I'm going to give you freedom to weigh stuff. We don't know everything here. Rather than that balanced, thoughtful, good thinking, we tend to fall into reactionary thinking. And in this interview with O'Reilly, not only was Trump uh, t- to some extent, deserved- deservedly taking credit for the vaccine. Um, he then 
Bill O'Reilly mentioned they were vaccinated and asked Trump about the booster. And that's next. Both the president and I are vaxxed. And uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it too. Okay, so. Um... Oh, don't, 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 don't. That's all. It's a very tiny group. So apparently some people in the audience started booing Trump and he begins to, you know, kind of uh, defend himself or whatever. Bill O'Reilly later commented, he said it was only like 100 people who were booing out of a crowd of thousands. So it wasn't like a huge percentage. But I actually saw another clip of Trump like three months ago. He was encouraging people to get the vaccine and he also got booed. Y'all, there's a huge, there's a world of difference between someone mandating a vaccine. Well, I would say this, there's a world of difference between a government mandating the vaccine a private entity mandating the vaccine or having that like a vaccine policy. Uh, and then even between those two, there's a world of difference between those and recommending the vaccine. And I'm not sure I would recommend, actually, I just said I wouldn't recommend the vaccine for everyone always. Uh, but some people I would at least recommend they consider it. Um, I think there are a few things to weigh, even for somebody who is in a high risk camp, getting the vaccine might not be the right decision. Uh, but, but these are different things. And it, it would be one thing to be like, hmm, Trump got the booster. I'm not sure I would have recommended it. That said, Trump is like, what, 75 and slightly overweight? Uh, he probably should get the booster, right? Like, let's think this through, people. And, and unfortunately, there's this tendency not just to say like, hmm, I thoughtfully disagree, but instead to, to boo him making a health decision that actually was probably a reasonable one. Like, I don't know what possesses us, but we just, we tend to fall prey to emotional thinking. And, and even those of us who think well enough to identify some flaws in an opposing argument, when we're not actually thinking well, just a little bit well, we'll, we'll recognize the flaws and then react to them and end up in a, in a world of poor thinking ourselves. So again, I want to call us Let's issue reactionary thinking. Be thoughtful, uh, regardless on how how you would you know process the, the the particular details of the wisdom or lack of wisdom of Rittenhouse being in Kenosha with a gun. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious who is self defense, and if you can't see that, you're not thinking well. If you want, we can have a one on one conversation about it. But also, it's pretty obvious that Rittenhouse is not like a conservative hero or champion. I I, am, I know almost nothing about what he believes. I, I think he probably needs to spend some time with his family and keep going to school. Like, this idea that he is all of a sudden a hero is just crazy. And similarly, clearly the vaccine mandate is a horrible idea, but also vaccines, at least in principle, are great ideas. Uh, vaccines have saved, I can't even, I, I, I have no clue how many lives vaccines have saved, but it, getting rid of smallpox is probably saving like hundreds and hundreds of millions of lives over the past few decades just that one vaccine. Vaccines are, are amazingly helpful. And I even, I'm excited about the, the, the vaccine, the mRNA approach that was used by Moderna and Pfizer. It's an interesting technology. Certainly there are question marks because that doesn't, hasn't been t- tested long-term. And I would, you know, there, there's some caution because of that, but it's also pretty exciting because there's a potential to very rapidly be able to develop new vaccines in the future and save who knows how many lives. Uh, so I would I would actually give Trump major props for the way he approached the vaccine in 2020, um, and I I, w- I would personally give him minor props for 
getting the vaccine himself and being honest about that. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. But and and maybe you're even like, eh, I'm not even sure it was helpful for him. Sure, like let's have a thoughtful conversation about it. But the 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 booing and the just that that reactionary lack of thoughtfulness, ah, it distresses me, friends. It really makes me hurt. And uh, so yeah, let's let's be beacons of of good thinking and. Hopefully in that, we can actually connect with people well and ultimately not just help them think well about things like self-defense and vaccines, but ultimately, hopefully we can point them to Jesus and uh, help them realize their sin, their need for a savior, and all that that entails. The reality is he is the king. He is our Lord. He is our savior. It's almost Christmas time, so um, it's a good time to, to celebrate. That said, every day kind of is. Anywho, until next time, peace.